0: Hello and welcome to the Career Explorations in Genomic Medicine Research podcast. This program is sponsored by the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill's Program for Precision Medicine and Healthcare. This Career Explorations program is aimed at undergraduate students. Our goals are to help you expand your knowledge of potential careers related to genomic medicine research. And, we hope to increase your understanding of what you will need to do to become a member of the genomic medicine research workforce. We also want to help you build a supportive network of professionals. Each episode of this podcast series presents a conversation with a researcher or clinician who works in a particular aspect of genomic medicine research. So we'll turn it over to Dr. Terry Fury, and he will tell us about his career path and maybe a little bit about his day-to-day life, and then we'll open it up to questions from the students.
1: Right. So it um, seems like a very diverse group, um, which I think uh, characterizes uh, sort of my path and, and, and what I do. So just to, to give you a, a general overview first, so I'm a computational biologist, I am in the genetics department and in the biology department here at UNC. Um, but as I'll describe, my training has primarily been, you know, in computer science, not biology. Um, but all of the research that I'm doing now is is very biology focused and um, I'm quite a bit with a, a medical bent as well. So... Um, I started off with a bachelor's degree in math and a master's degree in computer science and then hit a point in my life where I didn't know what I was doing. So I sort of took a extended break and for five years I worked as a database programmer. Um, During this time I I did a lot of reading and reflecting on what I wanted to do. um, Decided that I did want to push forward and and get my PhD, um, and so I was a little bit non-traditional, coming back in later. Um, had a six-week-old baby when I started graduate school, and um, at that time, it, my uh, degree program was in computer science, even though at that point, I had decided that I wanted to do computational biology. It's just that back then, there wasn't that um, particular degree program. And so, as a computer science major, I, you know, I, I did all the computer science classes, but then it was a lot of reading and self study in biology and genetics and, and especially genomics to to understand, um, you know, the data that that we were working with. Um, I was very fortunate in that the lab that I joined for my PhD work. Um, was asked to participate in the Human Genome Project. And so a large amount of my graduate study was doing um, sort of an initial analysis and helping with the sequencing of the human genome back in the early 2000s. And that is not something that you can plan. There are things that you can plan and things you can't plan. and, and, And I think that... Um, that's one thing that I tell everyone that I talk to is that um, there's in my opinion still quite a bit of luck you know and fate that goes into your career path nothing is ever linear um, but I think the important thing is that when you're given in the opportunity you've got to take advantage of it and um, you know at least in my experience, you know, doing good work and taking advantage of the opportunities I was given allowed me to then progress on and, and get into the position I am today. And so you know, now, um, after doing this for you know, a, a number of years, um, I have my own lab, I have graduate students and postdocs in my lab, not very many, I do have undergraduates that also do research in the lab. Um, and um, as a computational scientist that is very interested in, in, in sort of particular biological questions, um, I'm highly collaborative. And so I don't generate the data that, um, that we analyze, but uh, I have collaborators um, that are generating that. And sort of the big project that we're involved in is looking at um, sort of the molecular basis of Crohn's disease. So one of the inflammatory bowel diseases. And so I'm fortunate to work with a clinician scientist that actively sees patients, um, but then also has a molecular biology lab in which they run the genomic experiments that then uh, uh, is the basis of our, uh, the analysis we do. So a, a typical day for me is not very typical. And, and, and so, um, you know, how my days go change um, based on the time of year, um, you know, whether I'm teaching, whether I've got grants due, um, and, and different things that come up. And I think that, you know, as I was sort of reflecting on this, I think one of the, you know, things that really is necessary for a job like this is coming up with a way to organize your time and to be able to prioritize um, the things that you need to get done. So if if I look at sort of the total of the types of things I do, you know, this ranges from, you know, individual meetings with graduates and undergraduates talking about their projects and figuring out, you know, their next steps to you know, leading an undergraduate class and and teaching in that and and talking with students um, about the class and um, preparing for it, to, you know, writing grants and writing papers where we're trying to put together the results of the the different research that we're doing or apply for funding um, to be able to continue our research. uh, you know different types of administrative um, meetings you know I'm on a couple of uh, different committees on campus um, that uh, you know sort of help guide um, either uh, efforts at the departmental or at the school-wide level Um, and then there are things that I, I can't anticipate so you know writing letters of recommendation that just you know pop into my email box or Requests from people that I don't generally work with that you know uh, want to know if I've got information about something or you know something comes up um, in in someone's you know graduate research that that all of a sudden we're taking a left hand turn in what we're doing so um, you know I think hopefully this gives you sort of a, a general sense of what my life is like um a bit of course i'm i'm being computational i you know pretty much spend my whole day doing what i'm doing right now staring at a computer screen um and whether you know these days you know instead of being able to meet in person of course now i get to stare at them through a computer screen too so um but um yeah so i think that's that's it
0: Um, so when you mentioned that you had your master's in computer science and then you kind of wanted to switch and you spent time, what is like some advice that you have to like, kind of decide
1: what you want to do? So, uh, yeah, um, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, I, I can only, I can tell my personal story. And, and, and so, and I, you know, what I would almost suggest for something like this is to talk to a number of people and understand their personal stories and motivations. And as I've gotten to talk to other people at, you know, faculty and and that, you know, I, I think what I've realized is there's, there's not a typical story. So, so for me, um, you know, when I got my master's and when I was an undergraduate, I was way behind you guys. I had no sort of idea about going into an academic position or, you know, higher education. I, you know, I finished my undergraduate. I didn't do any undergraduate research. I didn't know what to do with a math degree, and computer science seemed like a cool thing to do, so I jumped into a master's. I did that. I burned out on school, and I thought, you know, I don't know what I want to do, so instead of sort of just blindly pushing forward, let me take a step back. Let me, you know, do something a little different, Um, and I really took a lot of that time to do a lot of reading. And, and just trying to figure out where did my interests lie. And I find that a lot of, you know, the more successful graduate students and even faculty are ones that took a period of time where they sort of stepped back and did some life searching, you know, took a gap year. And whether that involved, you know, trying to get some experience working in a lab or not, you know that vary, but that's not to say I know plenty of people that went straight through they knew very early on this is what they wanted to do they were motivated um, and they turned out you know they they're doing very well as you know likewise so I you know I think there's not one answer I think answers are very personal And, and I, you know, like I said, I encourage you to to ask a lot of people, you know, just kind of see what, um, how people got to where they are, which is, I think, a lot of what this is, is to give you a sense for, you know, there's not one way to sort of do this, whatever you, your end goal is.
0: Thank you. So I have a question Um, for you personally, um, how hard was it to kind of transition from like, let's say computer science to more having a mind of more biology oriented, because I know like interdisciplinary collaboration is another thing, but like having to force yourself to understand a different subject is altogether like a different world rather than just collaborating.
1: So, I mean, you know, that's where I found, um, you know, I, I had, even though I had done math and computer science, um, early in my academic career. I always had the interest in biology, and I um, you know, took a year of physical chemistry, and I even took chem, and I took genetics and biochemistry. And it had always been there. And I had some basic background. Um, but it wasn't until I, I jumped to graduate school that it became more of a focus. Um, and then like I said, you know, for at least for me, I realized that biology was just the accumulation of a lot of facts and knowledge. And that I, you know, I just needed to sit down and do my reading, you know, and, and that's where I was very motivated to do it. And I, you know, I, I don't think there there's a right way or a wrong way. There was the way that I found worked well for me. Um, There are obviously people that that sort of go the other way that, you know, have a more traditional biology background and then decide that they want to do more computational analysis, or they want to become trained in that and sort of go the other way. Um, And I think, you know, again there, it's, you know, when you're motivated to learn that, um, you know, it's it's hard because, yeah, the two require very different ways of thinking. and so you've just got to realize you may struggle and it may take you a long time to feel comfortable in, in, in sort of both areas. Um, but if this is what you want to do, you just, you know, perseverance is, is pretty much the name of the game once you get to a certain level. I mean, I've known plenty of really, really smart people that did not finish their PhDs because they just didn't have the motivation to finish. And I've seen some people that really, really struggled through their PhD and at all stages and that are doing great right now because that's what they really wanted to do. Um, and so I think, you know, at, as you, you go through these different higher levels, um, you know, you really got to want what you're – planning to do. You know, it's it's not going to be the case that, oh, I think this is what I should do and I kind of want to do it. No, it's, you know, you've you've got to be there. You got to put your all into it. Um, And so that's the same, you know, so I I, I remember you said that, you know, you're pre-med, but you'd like to do some bioinformatics. So, you know, there are different ways that you can, you know, uh, begin doing that, either through self-study or um, you know, formal classes or things like that. And, and, and I think you just have to sort of figure out what's the best way um, for you to gain the knowledge that you want, you know, um, for your career.
0: Thank you. Oh, I have a question. Hello? Yes. Okay, so i uh- How would you go about So, I've seen a lot of videos on the internet about how you can get like published before you get into graduate school to help you get into graduate school. So, how would you go about doing that?
1: So, um, I missed the middle part. So, how do you get where?
0: So, how do you get published, um, like publish like a PhD, like a journal before you get into graduate school?
1: First of all, most of the graduate applications that I have seen at UNC, the undergrads do not have a publication. So I don't think that you should see that as a necessary requirement for going to graduate school. But the ones that do are ones that did undergraduate research. A lot of them were people that took a year off after undergrad and worked full time in a lab to work on a project. And often, you know, again, it's almost more a matter of timing, where they they got into a lab where there was a project on someone else's larger project that they were getting ready to publish, and they were able to make a contribution, and the undergraduate was able to be a co-author. What is even more rare is for an undergraduate to have done enough research during their undergraduate year publish a paper where they were sort of the primary driver of that work Um, and so you know I would you know while I know in academics you know you hear that everything is about publishing and at you know certain levels it becomes more important I think at the undergraduate level it's it's more figuring out what you want to do, and understanding what graduate school will be like. So when I interview people for graduate school, the, the ones that impress me are the ones that can come in and clearly articulate why do they want to come to graduate school? Why do they want to come to graduate school in this particular area, and why do they want to come to this graduate school, why UNC? And, and so, you know, your experiences as an undergrad, you know, whether you publish or not can prepare you to be able to answer those questions. And I think in my mind, it's more important that you can answer those and you have sort of that, you know, uh, sense of what you're getting into and the motivation for what you want to do than, you know, checking off boxes of I've got a publication or I've, You know, did these different things. Thank you. Welcome.
0: Welcome. Um, Hi. So, I have another um, follow up question. Sorry. So, I know you mentioned that you took some time off and did a lot of reading and research. So, can you elaborate more on how you went about it and what exactly is that you read or researched that made you kind of pursue this career?
1: Yeah. So, so honestly, I, I I sort of pulled out textbooks, and I just started reading textbooks. I, you know, so um, an advantage you have now is the internet was not what it was, what it is now back then. Um, and I think that there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of good information. There's a lot of not so great information. But I think that... Um, You know, as part of the self-exploration, it's trying to get a better sense for, you know, things like you're learning right now. So what does it actually mean to go to graduate school and to, to do research? I think back then, you know, I didn't have any connections to a university. I didn't really know who to talk to in these positions. So I focused more on the subject matter of what I thought I wanted to do. Um, a lot of the reading that I did back then has nothing to do with what I ended up doing. But it was still good because it gave me a better sense for, you know, it's 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 just as important to figure out what you don't want to do as what you do want to do. Um, and, I, and I, you know, I wish that I had a better sense, like I said back then, because while you're a student, it, it almost gives you and, you know, and a reason to go and talk to different faculty. Um, And I will have people that will contact me by email um, and come talk to me. So mostly through the undergraduates, it'll be people that are interested in doing research. Um, And a lot of times I'll, you know, we'll figure out that maybe doing, you know, research in my lab is not what they want to do but I still, you know, invite them to come and talk to me because I can say, you know, you know, ask me questions. I'll tell you what I do to give you a sense for, you know, what my field is like and what other fields are like, and I can try to answer your questions. Um, and, and I feel like that's important for the student just to begin filling out, you know, your broader knowledge of, of again, what academic research is, what going to graduate school is, things like that. So I, you know, I, I I would, you know, on the one hand, you know, push yourself to do some, you know, just random searching on the internet. We're all good at that. You know, that's, that's why clickbait works so well is because we are easily distracted. So, you know, just let yourself wander and, and See what, you know, different areas could be. Look at, you know, uh, from looking at different faculty pages and just reading about what do they do to to looking at, you know, maybe what are different conferences and what are sort of topics that people talk about at conferences to just, you know, if you, if you find something that looks interesting, just, you know, start reading up more on that. To then as well, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to faculty and just ask them you know and 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 you can just ask them things like say I'm you know an undergraduate student I'm thinking of you know going to medical school or to graduate school or anything like that and I'm really just interested in learning more about you know you know almost this conversation we're having now you know, how did you get where you are? And what are the kinds of things that you do in your lab? And especially if you if you make it where, you know, you just want them to talk to you and, and they don't feel like they need to give you anything more than that. Um, I You know, some people will be willing to do it. Others won't. Don't be discouraged if you don't get responses. You know, um, there'll be some out there, though, that will. and And, you know, take advantage of that.
0: Terry, I'll ask you a question. Sure. (laughs) Um, What, now that you've uh, had the chance to mentor graduate students and postdocs, what do you often see as um, obstacles that students face and what advice do you give them to help them, you know, acclimate to graduate school or whatever challenges they might face?
1: Right. So, so again, I'm, you know, part of this is I'm going to return to my theme of, of organization and prioritization. I think that um, often people will enter graduate school without a clear sense for what are the most important things to be doing with your time and sort of how do you balance all the, you know, so as you get to graduate school, you start having more things that you're going to need to balance, you know, initially it's you're still taking some classes, and you're and you're trying to figure out what research you're going to do, and then later on, as you go, you as you get into research, there's many facets to research. Whether it's doing background reading, it's it's you know getting the training to do whatever types of experiments you want to do, whether they be wet lab or experimental, to you know uh, gaining skills that are important, um, you know, for graduate school and different education like writing. Um, and beginning to understand things like, you know, how do grants work and what do grants look like? So I, I think, you know, sort of identifying and, 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 you know, I make lists of things that I need to do all the time. That's, you know, for me, I, the way that works. Um, you know, I, you know, where I see a lot of graduate st- students um, struggle is um, either spending time, you know, a disproportionate amount of time on things that aren't as important. And then on the flip side, becoming completely overwhelmed and not knowing, you know, I've got, you know, 10 things that I should be working on and I don't know which of these are the most important. And I, it just feels like I've got so much to do and I'm not making any progress. Um, and so just, you know, the skill of being able to sort of break down what you need to do into, into chunks that you can accomplish. One of the reasons why I make lists is because there's a lot of satisfaction of checking something off. I did this and I can see that I did this. And it, you know, reinforces that I am making progress. Um, And I think a lot of graduate students then, you know, when they get into these situations, they don't take advantage of their PI and other advisors to help them do this prioritization and figure out, you know, what should I be doing? A lot of my conversations with my students sort of end with, you know, okay, so... You know, are we clear on what you should be working on and the priorities of what you should be doing? And if you're not sure, you know, please ask me and I will help you prioritize that. Um, And just even, you know, sitting with them and talking through, okay, so tell me all the things that, you know, you, you feel like you need to be working on and let me help you put these in the order of importance and maybe, you know, I might have a couple more things, unfortunately, that I want to add to your list. But, you know, let me help try to structure this a little bit better. Because, you know, that's what I see is the biggest step from being an undergraduate to a graduate. As an undergraduate, you know, what you need to do is pretty well laid out. You go to class. You do your homework, you study for tests, you get that done, and maybe on the side you might be doing a little project in a lab. When you're in graduate school, that structure goes away, and, you, and it really becomes more of you figuring out, you know, the type of structure. And this, you know, goes from both the prioritization to understanding, you know, personally, do you work better in the morning or at night, And, you know, is it better for you to, you know, work a few hours in the morning, take a break in the middle of the day, and then work more hours at night? You know, I, my students never have the same schedule as me. And that's okay. And I don't expect them to. Um, But, you know, so much of this is figuring out what do you need to do that's going to give you the best chance of being successful. And it's going to help you persevere through, you know, there are going to be times where things are not going to go well, you know, but to come up with strategies so that that doesn't completely, you know, sort of, you know, you you just are unable to to make any progress forward. You're just so overwhelmed by all these things that are happening to you or that you feel like you need to do that you're no longer progressing. And figuring out how to get over those pumps plays a large part in – you know, helping you to actually get to that end goal, get to that, you know, we all want to graduate. We want to finish programs. We want to move on to the next steps. Um, But doing that requires you to figure out the small steps in between.
0: So going off of that, based on the experience that you have with your grad students, what would you say is like a good balance between not doing too much and doing
1: too much? So, this is all, again, very personal. And I'm, you know, not going to pretend to know, you know, what's best for anybody. And a lot of this, um, I think, also depends on what your background is. So there are people who, uh, um, you know, grew up in families that this is what their family did. You know, their parents are professors. Their parents went to graduate school. They already, from, you know, being raised, know what that life looks like. And so when they get to graduate school, there's a lot of things that are new to people that's not aren't so new to them. And so maybe they're able to take on a few more things because, you know, other things are not, you know, everybody has sort of the limit of the number of things that you can be thinking about and can handle at a certain point that are, that are new. And for some people, you know, there are new things that other people, it's not new. So, you know, I did not come from a family of academics. I was the first person to go to graduate school. I had no idea what I was doing. And actually, for me, I think having a family, as, as contrary as this might seem, was good for me in graduate school because it forced me to sort of take my day and put it into boxes of this is my you know time at school and this is when i have to get done and this is the time that i have to spend with my family and when i' when i'm with my family i'm not thinking about school i'm not you know and so you know obviously i i'm, I'm not expecting that most people are going to graduate school with you know, a baby. So, you know, but I I think that for each of you, 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 you've got to, first of all, realize there's no expectation that you're gonna be doing this all day long. And you you have to find something that is able to pull you out of this world, something hopefully that gives you comfort, something that, you know, especially if you're going to graduate school and, and this is not something you're familiar with, find something that, you know, made you happy before you got to graduate school, that you are familiar with, that allow you to get into an environment and doing something that releases some of that school-related stress. So that then you can come back and you have more energy and you can focus better and you're not feeling as overwhelmed about your school things. Don't feel pressured that you have to be involved in everything. You know, there are always going to be opportunities to get involved in things at universities. Um, and you can't do them all and you shouldn't be doing them all. And you've got to be selective about the ones that you think, you know, so at a certain point, too, you know, you've got to become selfish and figure out this is about me now. So what are the activities that are going to give me satisfaction and fulfillment or are going to teach me a skill that I want to learn or something like that? And what that is is going to be different from person to person. And you've got to find that thing. But you shouldn't, you know, go around and say, well, you know, I think so-and-so is really successful and this is what they're doing and I need to copy what they're doing. No, you know, that works for them. You've got to figure out what works for you.
0: Thank you. Hi. How many graduate students have you came in contact with that knew exactly what they wanted to research and knew exactly what they wanted to do? And did that help them out in terms of like maybe graduating earlier or just having a better grip of organization?
1: So almost almost nobody enters graduate school knowing what their research is going to be. Most people don't even figure that out until after about their second year of graduate school. Your whole first couple of years is, is, is doing that. So you know, in a, in a typical graduate career, um, your first year is, is primarily taking classes and then going around and, and doing rotations where you spend a few weeks in different labs and sort of try out what it would be like doing different research. And then picking at the end of the year a lab that you wanna stay in. And even at that point, you never know. So, okay, I'm in this lab. So what's the exact project I'm gonna work on? I don't know, you know, what's the PI doing? What, um, what sort of work needs to be done in the lab? And and so I, you know, in sort of the pre-graduate, you know, uh, time. And this is, you know, I'll go back to kind of uh, an answer I gave before. I think, you know, in my opinion, it's more important to just try to understand what the whole sort of graduate thing, graduate school thing is about, you know, and what am I going to be doing and, and, and what are generally the the different types of things that um, I'm interested in. Um, so that I can figure out what is the, the right type of graduate program I want to be involved in and what is the school that I want to go to. Um, it is good to be able to have some knowledge in a particular field. So, I, you know, what I also don't like is when, when graduate students come in and say, I want to go to graduate school because I want to get my PhD because I want to become a faculty member or I want to go to medical school because I want to become a doctor. And they haven't progressed sort of past that, you know, just goal thing. But, you know, it's more of, you know, I, I have, you know, taken some classes in genetics. This is a particular area that I have found that is interesting. You know, I've, I've done some additional research in this, either in the con- informal context of a lab or self-study. And these are things that I think that I would be interested in doing. And I looked at your lab, and these are things that you're doing in your lab that I would find really interesting to do. And can you tell me more about them? And, you know, let's have a conversation about that and be able to, you know, ask questions about, you know, things that they're doing. So, you know... And, and most, even most students that come in that have done undergraduate research, what they do in graduate school is nothing like what they did as an undergrad in research. The, the purpose of undergrad research is more to give you a sense for what you actually do. Not so much, you know, the subject that you're working in, or particular things that you're working on. If you happen to get a lab that um, allows you to use some of that knowledge, that's great. But that's in my mind. That's not an expectation of going to graduate school. But it's 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 just more like I said that that awareness of what is graduate school, what is doing graduate school research. Um, you know that you know that I'm gonna you know have have a project at some point that I'm gonna have to write a paper on, um, and that that's you know you know, not the classes, that's going to be the focus of of my graduate career. Does that kind of make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. And just to follow up, like, what do you suggest for people who may already have, like, know what they're interested in researching? Um, But, like, you know, what if somebody in the school or, like, what if nobody's doing what they're interested in researching, but they're doing the they're using the skills that they need to help with the research that they're interested in. How important is that? And with the PI?
1: Yeah. So, so, um, so again, I'm, you know, I'll go back to a lot of this is luck and you can't, there are a lot of things you can't control. So, you know, I, it's, it's great that you know what you want to do, but you also have to think a little bit more broadly because, um, like you said, it, it may be the case that no one's doing exactly what you think you want to do. So you have to think, like you said, so maybe what are some of the skills or what are what's another area that are, is going to train me in, in a way that, you know, maybe further down the line, I'm going to be able to do what I want to do. So, and I I think that that's a, a, a key sort of concept to think about with graduate school and even as a postdoc, because we all refer to this as training. You are a trainee as a graduate student and even as a postdoc, meaning that you are depending on your PI to sort of lead you and teach you through this experience. You know, there's more and more of, you know, emphasis on becoming independent, but, you know, there's an acknowledgement that you're still being trained. So I think that, you know, as, you know, from that focus, then, yeah, exactly as you said, maybe you're not going to be able to do exactly what you want to do. But maybe you can identify skills and knowledge that you want to be trained in and that there is a lab on campus that would allow you to get that training. As a PI, I don't expect anybody coming into my lab that come into my door and say, I want to do exactly what you're doing, and I understand exactly what you're doing from day one. It's more, I'm interested in the kinds of things that you're working on. I want to learn to be able to do the things that I see people in your lab doing. And, you know, in my lab, then that's a combination of the computational skills that can be broadly applied to a lot of different things to, you know, some more specific areas of biology where, you know, we look a lot at gene regulation. I don't care if you want to do Crohn's disease. You may be on a project that is looking at Crohn's disease because that's what we do, but your focus of your training may be more, I want to understand the methods and the tools and the, and the types of uh, skills that I need to be able to do to take you know to do that analysis that then I may be able to apply to a different area um, that is more interest to me and you never know you may find that you get into a lab and what you thought you want to do is not what you want to do and you want to do something else so keep an open mind thank you
0: that really helps so in your opinion do you think is it more important to pick an advisor that you are compatible with or a project that you care
1: about? <laughs> yeah, so so um, that's a great question. Um, and I think for different people, um, there's a different balance of those things. You know, so obviously the the, the perfect match is, you know, you, you do a rotation, you, you work with a particular PI, you get along great with them, and you love your project. You love what the lab's doing, okay? Um, but there are often the cases where graduate students are sort of forced to choose between, you know, I really like this PI, I'm not so interested in what they're doing in their lab, versus I really like what this lab is doing, I don't really care for the PI so much. Um, And again, I think that that becomes more than of a personal decision. What do you think is going to be more important in helping you be successful? If you are someone that you feel like, you know, I can do this. I'm really independent. I don't think that I'm going to have to depend as much on guidance from my PI. Um, I think that there are other graduate students and postdocs in the lab that I'll be able to you know, fill in some, I don't want to say deficiencies, but maybe some um, things that, that you don't particularly care for in your PI, but that the overall environment is one that you think you can still be successful in. Versus, you know, if if you're going into something where, you know, you think that the, 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 the you know, direct interaction with your PI is going to be key to helping you be successful, then, You know, go with the PI, you know, see if you can't, you know, so working in the lab, there's always a certain amount of negotiation, you know, and as a graduate student, you shouldn't be shy about negotiating what you're going to do. I think if a PI is not willing to work with you on this, that's a bad sign. But so, you know, if you find a PI that you're going in the lab, say, you know, I'd I'd be happy to work on this project and I'm excited about this. Would you entertain, you know, me also being trained in something that maybe you're not doing right now that I'm interested in? You'd be surprised. PIs love bringing new skills into a lab that allows them to expand what they're doing. It's a great way um, to be able to write the next, grant, figure out a next direction to go. And they would love, especially when you've got a graduate student that's motivated and, and will help bring those new skills to the lab. You know, I always tell my graduate students, you know, you are going to be more informed and more knowledgeable about your project than I will be. And a lot of our interactions are going to be you teaching me what is the latest and greatest in this area. And often I will use graduate students to help me get into a new area. And I'll say, you know, we're gonna learn this together and I need you to help me identify, you know, what are new techniques um, in a particular area. And so I I think that, you know, when you're making this decision, you know, if you find a PI that you think is fantastic, You know, a lot of times, you know, go with that and see whether you can get them to maybe help you design a project that's going to give you the training that you want to do. I think that, you know, on the balance, there are more people that don't succeed in graduate school because of the lab that they joined than people that don't succeed at graduate school because they just got bored with their project they loved their lab, they got bored with their project, and they just couldn't find the motivation to get themselves to finish. Does that make sense? But these have all been great questions, and I think you're all thinking about the right types of things in, you know, sort of navigating this whole, you know, how do I get from where I am right now as an undergraduate to the right type of, you know, position, the right school, the right medical, school, whatever you wanna do, you know, after you graduate, um, that's gonna set you up to be the most successful.
0: Uh, I have a question. Do you ever like mentor undergraduates or accept them to come volunteer in your lab? Because for me personally, that has been hard to like, prepare myself or like learn how to uh, like get into a lab like on my campus.
1: Right, so so I do. Um, you know, I generally have two or three undergraduates at any given time that are working in the lab. Um, I think that, you know, so, so undergraduate research is tricky for both the PI and for the student. Um, and so a lot of PIs shy away from this because um, as a PI, y- you have to... Um, sort of have the right, um, sort of approach the situation with the right mindset. That understand that, again, you know, this is a training opportunity. And that for most undergraduates, the amount that they're gonna be able to accomplish is much, much less than a graduate student because there's gonna be a lot more training Um, that they're going to need to do before they're going to make, you know, a significant contribution to the lab. And most undergraduates finish without, in my lab, without making that big of a contribution to what we're doing, but it's provided them with training about what we're going to do. And so, you know, I I wish I could say that there was sort of the magic words you can say to get, you know, um, PIs to be interested with you. I think the best advice I could give you is just be persistent. Uh, The vast majority of people will either say no or simply not respond, but all you need is for one to say yes and to give you the chance. And so, you know, and even, you know, I think when you initially write the email, you should, um, you know, what, what I don't like is when undergraduates sort of write me an email that is so generic that it doesn't look like they even have looked at my webpage and have any idea of what I do. So I think if you if you want to improve your chances, you know, first of all, do a lot of reading about you know people, professors on your campus, um, and figuring out what they're doing. Um, when you write the email, then, you know, point out something that you've learned about them that you found really interesting. And even maybe start the conversation with, you know, I'd love to come talk to you more about what you do. You know, this is something of interest to me, and I just want to know more about what you do. And not sort of strongly lead with, I want to do undergraduate research, and I'm looking for a position to, to do research um, because you know just being able to go talk to people can be a valuable experience and what it may help you um, as well is you know people may know about certain faculty that, that are more apt to accept undergraduates and may be able to steer you in that direction or they may listen to you talk about your interests and may say well, you know, you really should go talk to so-and-so about this. Um, and so, you know, but I, but really the big thing is, is that you just can't get discouraged. You just have to keep, you know, again, there's always going to be a certain amount of luck and fate in this, And, you know, um, you know, it may feel like sometimes you're playing the lottery and the odds are really against you, but, um, You know, you strike the jackpot once, and who cares how many times it took you to try. Um, Just, you know, try to keep pushing on that. See if there are, you know, resources within your department, um, either through sort of the undergraduate advisor um, that might um, have suggestions on people that they know in your department that um, typically take on undergraduate students in research. Um, because, you know, especially undergraduate advisors, they know what their students are doing, and they know who they're working with, that they're able to work with people, and they know then the people in the department that typically will take students and those that typically don't.
0: Okay, well, we only have to- Okay, we well, yeah. I have a quick question. I'm just wondering, like, with the current state of everything that's going on, do you find that it will be difficult to actually get in labs with everything that's going on? Or how do you think, in moving forward, we'll be able to be in the lab with all the, the different stipulations as far as, like, you know,
1: the social distancing and all that stuff of that nature? Right. And, and you know, so yes, it, it is much more of a challenge. Um, and especially if. The lab experience you want requires you to physically be in the lab um, to get that experience. And so, what it may require is a change in thinking about what a research experience um, might look like. And it might not involve an in person training opportunity, unfortunately. So, for me, it's a little bit easier because, you know, since we're computational. Most of what we actually do, we can do remotely. And in fact, you know, I have not seen anybody in my lab and in person since the beginning of March. And no one in my lab is regularly going on campus, including me. I've, I've pretty much abandoned my office for now. Um, and sort of is to, to keep down the density on the floor of my building. So, you know, one potential strategy that I see is, you know, as you approach people for undergraduate research, say, would you be willing to, you know, sort of guide me through, a, you know, literature review, a self exploration of the topics that you guys explore in your lab. Let me talk to your graduate students and other people in the lab about the projects that they're working on let me come to your lab meetings and hear about the research that you're doing. So while, you know, this would not be as good as, yeah, physically being able to be there, and there might be PIs that are, you know, resistant to that because at the, on the PI side, you know, sort of the, the management of your lab has now become a lot more complicated, you know, especially like at UNC where They want you to have your lab show up in shifts. You've got some of your lab coming in the morning, some of the lab coming at night. And so just, you know, doing things that normally you wouldn't have to think about have become harder. And so maybe the thought of bringing an undergraduate into that environment is is more than the PI can handle. But they may be more open to, you know, okay, so you just wanna learn more about what we wanna do and I can help facilitate You know, meetings with people in the lab, you know, giving you papers to read, providing a way that we can just sit down and discuss them um, and things like that, that will still be valuable because it will help you, again, understand um, better what research is like. What, you know, maybe other people's research projects are and just how, you know, what is it like to be in a lab, be in that environment? What is a lab meeting like? You know things like that, um, and I think that can be really valuable. And then, when things start opening back up, if you've shown that you're really, you know, have, have put in a lot of effort and are really interested, then that's a perfect way that you know the you know the PI then you know, would be willing. Okay. So you, you, you've, you've sort of shown the interest and the, and the work ethic in that. So yeah, now we're open. So come on in the lab and let's figure out what now you can do.
0: Absolutely. We want to keep a check on the time. It's twelve fifty seven, So <laughs> we want to respect everyone's time. Uh, so we want well. to just thank Dr. Terry Fury for joining us today. Uh, we can share his email address. If you all have other questions, you can reach out to him directly and, uh, pose any questions that occur to you after this call. So thank you, Dr. Terry Fury. You're welcome, and it was great meeting all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so thank much. You're welcome. All right. yeah. Thank you. Everyone, enjoy the rest of your day. All right. You too. Bye.